Hi everyone, welcome back to the show, the Empowered Practice Podcast, where we have conversations about our own health and healing journeys, mind, body, and spirit, and the tools and the resources and the conversations that have been most supportive to us in that endeavor. I'm so honored to be your host, J.D. Ingalls, health coach, yoga and meditation teacher, and perpetual seeker and student of life. Let's get on to the show. Okay, welcome back to the Empowered Practice Podcast, everyone. I am so excited about today's conversation with a good friend of mine, Anna. So she is a coach, she's a speaker, she's a brand strategist, she's a tarot goddess, she does a lot of things, people. <laughs> she's super talented, and I'm sure she's going to share a lot of wisdom with us today, but maybe something that a lot of people don't know about her, if they do know her, is that she has worked through an autoimmune condition for a long time now, since she was a teenager, and recently found out some pretty exciting news about it by all the things that she does to take care of herself. So well, that's what we're going to be chatting about today. So welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm also excited that we're going to talk about uh, the stuff that I don't talk about on Instagram that much. I mean, there's, there's some stuff, you know, I mean, I do a post sometimes when I hit a milestone or something, but it's not usually like in the forefront. So I'm excited to share my story and thanks so much for um, the platform to do so and, and, and to vibe on all things health, which, you know, you and I like always vibe. Yeah. So I'm excited. We're doing it. We're farmer's market besties, but. Yes, exactly. Every Sunday. Yeah. And if we're, if we're not together, we usually run into each other there. So yeah. it's even better. <laughs> Getting our grass-fed meat. Yes. Um, great. So will you just start by telling everybody a little bit about your journey and, and how that transpired for you? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so when I was, uh, so when I was 16, so I'm 30, so I've been going through this journey for, what is that? 14 years. Um, and so basically I'll, you know, when I was 16, my mom and I went to Europe, it was a uh, junior year of high school, I went to Europe, had a great time and then came home and I'll never forget it. I took a nap because we were jet lagged and, um, my, like arm, my shoulder was bothering me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember waking up and being like, mom, my shoulder really, really, really hurts. And she was like, um, what do you mean it hurts? It's, you probably slept on it weird. She's mm -hmm. like, okay, maybe I slept on it weird. I went back to sleep and you know, sure enough, it, it, it worked itself out. Um, and then I end up going about um, a year with nothing after that. And, um, and I, I remember, uh, it was my senior year of high school. I was 17 and I worked at the local shoe store, like sneaker store. I worked at Finish Line in Trumbull Mall for anybody listening. If you're from Trumbull, Trumbull stand up. Um, no. And uh, so I, I would work um, every day after school. So I was working like 25 hours a week. I think that was like the minimum you could work under 18 at the time. And so I was always on my feet. Um, I worked all the weekends. I loved working. And um, my feet started hurting, mm -hmm. like kind of. And so I had th thought that it was, um, it was just like long hours. And then progressively my hip started, like one of my hips started hurting. I think it was my right side. And so, um, so I remember 
my stepdad at the time was like, you should like to my mom, like you should take her to the doctor. Like she, she, she's been limping for a while after work and it's kind of concerning. And everybody was like, no, it's fine. And I'm like, no, it's fine. I'm just working. I'm just on my feet. And, um, and I was in school and I was doing theater and you know, all that stuff. So it just felt like just, it was just a stressful time trying to graduate high school too. Mm-hmm. So basically we go to the doctor and the doctor is like, you have Lyme's disease. Mm-hmm. Before I could even get the blood work back, puts me on these really big, massive blue pills. Mm-hmm. I think they're blue. And I started taking them and nothing was changing. So I think a few weeks went by. And so the limping is continuing. My feet are hurting a lot. At this point now, my wrists are bothering me. And so I thought I had carpal tunnel. Mm-hmm. And I would put like Bengay. Mm-hmm. I had and like tiger bomb um and it was kind of helping and kind of not helping I'll actually never forget it um that summer I slept at a friend's house for a few nights we we're doing like her parents were away and we we're doing thing and we worked together too and um my wrist bothered me throughout like two movies we we're doing a movie marathon and my wrist hurt so bad and I just like doused myself in Bengay and um I guess it would just dissipate. Like, I don't really remember exactly how it would go away. And so anyway, um, so basically a bit of time passes and now it's actually a lot of time passes. I want to say the the Lyme disease came back negative at this point. They take me off the medication. At this point, it's been maybe like four months. And uh, January of 2006 happened. So that was like August to December. And January happens and I wake up in the middle of the night and I am in so much pain. Mm -hmm. My whole body was in so much pain. I almost thought I couldn't move. And I remember um, calling my mom from across the house because my house had two staircases and we were on the the opposite side. So there was no way she could come to, to my side. And I remember crying hysterically and telling her I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. And so she, she came, rushed over to the other side and we rushed to the hospital. And at this point, I think she, she, somebody, maybe my mom or somebody like kind of helped me down the stairs, like to walk, couldn't really move my knees. It was very painful walking in general. Um, and then that became a whole long day at the emergency room, mm-hmm. running every test possible. And at that point, um, they, uh, came, everything came back negative. And then my mom said, right before we were about to leave, I'll never forget it. Cause I had a sidekick at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, my mom goes, can you test her for rheumatoid arthritis? Wow. Yeah. And so at that point, because my grandma has lupus and my aunt has rheumatoid arthritis, um, they said yes. And they did a, um, an ANA for rheumatoid and, um, and it came back positive. Mm. So at that point, then now we had a diagnosis, which right. felt amazing because that made sense. However, I didn't know what rheumatoid arthritis was. And I went on my sidekick and I started Googling it and I didn't even know how to spell it. And I would never, never forget it. And at that point, I think they had only given me anti-inflammatories because mm-hmm. they couldn't give me anything. I don't even think I went on prednisone yet. And um, so leading up to that, I think it took about a month um, or a few weeks until we could actually get into the doctor. And now at this point, I have to quit my job. Mm-hmm. At this point, I have to pull out of a play that I was in. I was in the music band, had to pull out of that. Um, my whole life starts to change. I couldn't really walk. 
So I needed an elevator key at school. I mean, this literally happened overnight. I had to take, I was, don't even think I was in school. Like, I think I had taken a few days off after because it was in so much pain. And so now I literally went, and for the listeners that ever had an autoimmune disease, you literally wake up one day and your life changed. Yeah. And so I was walking properly right before, the day before that Friday or whatever day it was. Right. And now I go back into school and I'm limping and I can barely move my like arms to drive to school in the morning and my knees don't really work very well. And now I need the elevator and everybody is wondering what's wrong with you, you know? And I got really thin at the time. I think I went from 113 to 96 pounds um, during this period of time. And um, I was really pale and had the um, butterfly uh, like dark circles and the butterfly yeah. stuff on your face. That's what it's called. Um, because I was really sick and because my body immune system was attacking itself. So I looked sick. Like I had been the palest I've ever been in my life. Like my vitamins were, everything was low. And so it was a really scary time for me because not only is my life changing, but I'm looking different, right? I'm yeah. feeling sick. I'm stressed out. And now I can't snowboard. I can't like I said, I, I had to pull out of the play. I couldn't um, really drive. I couldn't um, all the work. I had to take leave of absence. So, you know, it was, I, I actually like went into a depression. Yeah. Uh, which I've actually never discussed with anybody, but uh, I went into a depression for like about six months. Yeah. On and off six months, mostly because, you know, you're 17, you're about to go to college. Like yes. you're, you know, all of a sudden you can't do the things that people could do and people are looking at you and talking about you. I went to really, you know, a small school in Connecticut from 10th grade to 12th grade. And um, it was just really, really uh, hard to swallow, mostly because I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't really know much about the disease. My grandma was older. My aunt was older. And what they had gone through in their 40s was nothing nearly as close to what I was experiencing at 17. So basically from there, um, I end up going uh, on a bunch of medication very quickly. I had the dopest doctor um, mm-hmm. at Yale New Haven Children's Hospital. Um, he's like, w- like world renowned and I got really lucky to get in with him very quickly. Um, and so from there, you know, we start to ex- like experiment with medicine. Um, from there, I start to get better, mm-hmm. um, pretty quickly start to get better. However, now I'm on a lot of prednisone. Yeah. So now I go from like 96 pounds to like 120, like right. overnight, which is equally as hard to swallow, right? Because now none of my clothes fit. Right. Um, and at this point, I actually went back to work and I started working for the same manager at the, the sneaker store at Aeropostel, which was really fun times. And um, I... You know, now I'm like, at least I get a discount on clothes because I don't have to right. buy clothes and stuff. So I remember from there um, going into college because now, you know, we're at the next fall. And I remember I could not walk the stairs correctly. So I'm walking mm. like a kid, you know, one foot and then one foot and then one foot. Yes. And um, yeah, and so I remember um, – giving myself a goal 
mm-hmm. that by winter I was going to walk the stairs properly mm-hmm. because I listen, I lived in the coolest dorm with all of the athletes. Okay. And I didn't want to be like this, like, you know, freshman that can't walk up the stairs. It's like dealing with shit. Like, yeah, I was like determined because I'm seeing all the football, basketball players, all lacrosse players and baseball players like every day. And I remember being like, yo, this is not, not today. Like this is not happening. So it was really interesting. So what I ended up doing at this time was, um, I, uh, just was starting to eat healthier. Okay. So, um, I would just incorporate more vegetables and only drink water. And I remember specifically making that change because I think I had read somewhere on Google that like changing your diet can help you lose weight. And then I was like, okay, well, if I can go down on weight, then it's less stress in your knees. And like, that's to the extent that I knew. Yeah. So when you saw your child doctor, who's awesome, world renowned, never mentioned anything about like how diet might be involved or anything like that, right? Nothing. Their plan of attack was um, uh, treating the disease. Yeah. It was getting this person to not be in pain. So, you know, we went immediately on Enbrel injections. Um, I'll never forget it. I learned how to give an injection in a, like a doll that had yeah. no face. And they were like, this is what you do in like a fake needle. And it was so weird. I remember I was sitting with kids in a right. room with the doctor showing all of us how to do an injection. And I'm 17 and they're like five, you know, wow. no, like seven, eight, nine. And um, this is really interesting. Uh, but yeah, they didn't talk about weight and everything. I think their plan of action was, um, and usually it is when you are diagnosed with autoimmune disease, it's, um, it, you hit it hard. Yeah, and treat the symptoms. Treat the symptoms, right. Because the underlying problem is always going to be there. Because it's a thing with autoimmune. Mm -hmm. You never not have it. It's always in your DNA. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can can put it into remission, put it really far away, right? Yeah. And um, so basically, long story short, you know, from let's say 2006 to now, that there was an up and down of everything from being told I was going to need to get two shoulder replacements to being told that I needed to get two knee replacements by the time I was 22 down to, um, I mean, taking an infusion medication, having anaphylaxis, a third of the bag in, it's still being in your system. And then having a month dealing with hospitals at eight at 19, you know, there was a lot of that. And so it's, it was such this up and down. I mean, I mean, I remember, when I was 19, sophomore in college, or it was, I think it was actually second semester freshman year. I don't remember. Either way, I was 19. And um, they were like, your, your RA is so bad, you have to take this infusion medication. And so I go in there to do it. After I had hesitation, I had done so many Googles, and I felt like, I was like, this doesn't feel right. Ignored my intuition, still did it. A third of the bag in, I started showing um, uh, aller- allergic reactions, like really heavy ones. So they just stop because now this is in my body. Mm-hmm. It led to like four days and in- admitted into the hospital gaining. I think I went in at 113. I came out 127 because they pumped me with that much prednisone in four days. And then I think I had to take it in pills like 60 to 80 and then an 80 taper is so bad. And I was out of school for like two weeks and on my whiteboard, people thought I died. Whoa. Because at that time, you don't have everybody's cell phone. Right. This is like right when Facebook became a thing, right? Yeah. 
And it's also a health issue. So like, even at that time, it was something that I didn't like want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So I remember I went in right when I was like, it was like a few days before I was able to go back to school and I needed to go back to get clothes. My, um, my aunt and my uncle took me there. And I remember someone was at my door writing something inside my own room. And, um, and they were like, whoa, is that really you? Like, we thought you died. And oh my like, gosh. Who the hell told you I died? And they're like, I don't know. There's a rumor you were in the hospital and then nobody knows and like rumors start and whatever. Of course. So I remember being like, no, this is me. I didn't die. I'll be back at school next week. Like I'm just dealing with like a really bad allergic reaction and that's all I can tell you. Yeah. So it was really interesting because then after that, then they tell me I need these surgeries and it was a time when the secret yeah. came out. And um, I actually got this, this tattoo the day that the orthopedist told me, you're going to have to get two shoulder replacements and two knee replacements by the time you're 22. And I was 19. And I went to the ortho, I went to get a, this tattoo believe, because I was like, if the secret can work, I'm going to look at this every day and I'm not going to make, this isn't happening. Yes. And that was the day that I changed my life. I changed the trajectory of the disease because I completely overhauled my diet Yep. at, at 19 when, you know, there's not a most lot of people are having pizza at 2am and, you know, binge drinking beer and not most, I mean, I but a lot of still doing those things, <laughs> yeah. but the, the amount that I could control at the cafeteria, you know, yeah. um, I was eating like salad yeah. and water, only salad, only water. And, um, and so from there, uh, I end up not having to get any surgery. To this day at 30, I've never had to get a surgery. And I probably, I'm not going to say, I maybe won't have to get it, get one. It depends on like yes. later when I'm older. Um, but from there, um, I start to, uh, after college, I work at this, um, doing biz dev in an office at a corporation. And um, I read this book called The China Study. And now this mm -hmm. is 2011. So we went from 2006 to 2011. And in 2011, I read the China study and it blows my mind. The fact that you could cure disease through diet. Yeah. And that really, you know, it's like funny. Cause I see like the seeds. Yes. Yeah. And then once I read that book, I mean, when I tell you JD, I had like maybe like a half a foot inch thick papers that, because yeah. I just would print everything out every herb every wheatgrass flax oil like you name it anything that was popular then I was reading I adopted a vegan diet at the time mm -hmm. and that was um actually the first time I was able to go into remission so from 2011 until 2014 from 13 to 14 I got to stop taking injections wow the first time I got to stop taking injections and that was the time I was vegan yeah so that was wild. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was the first time. From there, I'm almost, I promise I'm almost in at the journey. No, this is good. Um, <laughs> Tell it all. It's such a long story. So from there, now we're at 2014, 2013, 2014. Um, I'm only now at this point, I've tapered off of a lot of things. At this point, I'm, only, I'm on a prednisone taper and only anti-inflammatory. And yeah. feeling great. I was in the gym lifting six days a week with a trainer. Um, my knees were rarely bothering me. I was able to run. I hadn't been able wow. to run in so long. Um, sadly, I can no longer run because my knee gets 
ends up getting really bad and I could get a stress fracture, but I am in the gym still five days. A week. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that happens. And then, then I moved to Mexico in 2015. And what happened in Mexico is that I, so here's the thing. I love Mexican food. Yeah. I love tacos and yeah. I love bread. And <laughs> what happened was I had just gone, you know, I was doing paleo. I was in the gym cut out everything bad. And then now I'm living in Mexico for a year and there's not very readily available organic things. I end up getting yeah. salmonella, I end up getting typhoid, mm -hmm. I end up getting strep. With the strep, um, we believe that it kind of reactivated the RA yeah, because strep is in your blood and like my body was trying to fight it. But what, ha what was happening is that the doctors were giving me medicine I was allergic to because I'm allergic to penicillin and yep. offshoots of those and cousins and sisters and whatever. Yep. And so I end up getting even more sick. And so what ends up happening here is that I actually can't walk again. Ugh. And at this point, it was worse than the first time because my knee was like a balloon. Yeah. My knee was so big. I could barely walk around town. And the thing is, is you're in a place where there are no cars. I was living in the jungle, in a village in the jungle. And um, I had a boyfriend at the time. And I remember he was so supportive. He would um, go get me food or get me anything I needed. And I barely left the apartment. Wow. I, would I think the, big, the, the most I would do is I would try to attempt to like limp to go get coffee or something mm -hmm. um, or water. And maybe attempt to walk to the beach, which is only two blocks away, for a little bit, sit down, and then barely get back up and walk back. And, um, you know, it was really hard. And so at this point, I mean, they're talking about it could be septic arthritis. They're talking about it could be, um, you know, uh, what else were they saying? Um, reactive arthritis. They're talking about, um, uh, what else were they saying? They were saying I could have had some type of, like, bacteria or something in my knee like there there were so many crazy things that were being thrown around it was so scary yeah and at this point I can't fly home because I can't walk right and so um that leads me to three a three-month period where I was like basically house-ridden almost um doing the bare minimum the good thing is I work online so I was still working and stuff um the bad thing is is that uh you know, it was a really scary time where you really have no idea. And I was seeing a doctor, but he would, he would, uh, attempt to take out fluid to test it, but he wasn't getting fluid, which meant he wasn't hitting the joint correctly. Oh. Um, so it was really scary because there was definitely something going on in the knee, but it wasn't actually figured out. So now, so this was in, um, March, it doesn't end up getting figured out until July. Wow. So from March to July, basically March, I'm like stuck in Mexico. Yeah. Literally stuck. I mean, it wasn't a bad stuck. I love Mexico. And I ended right. up staying, after that, I ended up staying for another like eight months. But, yeah. You know, um, it was just, it was just really scary because I'm in another country and I'm trying to get to the other doctor and trying to, you know, it was a lot. Basically at this point, before I end up coming back to the U S to go to my doctor and go actually to the emergency room in July, um, I start to get synvisc. Um, injections, which mm. for those of you that don't know what Synvisc is, it's basically um, an injection of uh, like fluid to help your joint move. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that I end up being allergic to it somehow. Ooh. So now my knee gets bigger and I'm getting these injections every week. I had to get like six injections. So over a six 
week period of time getting an injection every week. And the beauty about Mexico is that it was a third of the cost as the US. Right. So I was able to afford it, thankfully. And granted, if I didn't get these Synvisc injections, I don't think I would have saved my knee joint. I think it would have. Mm-hmm. My knee was on its way out. Yeah. And so um, basically it gets, it, I finally get a little bit of um, movement. I get, have a family member die and it was the catalyst to go run almost overnight. Yeah. You know, to New York, to come back to New York. The first thing I do when I get to New York is I go to the emergency room because I'm in so much pain off the flight. Yeah. I go to the emergency room. And uh, from there, they do a um, MRI. Like they order an MRI outpatient. I go and get the MRI. They end up um, draining my knee. So I'm yeah. now finally able to move it. It was like yeah. the first time I felt so. I mean, I remember when they drained my knee, I felt so so much relief yes and it was so great and um and then at this point now um I come to LA follow up with my LA rheumatologist um explain why I haven't been there for like a year right and um explain the situation and so she drained my knee again inserted cortisone and then we look at the MRI and it turns out that my knee has turned into osteoporosis Mm. so it had the, the hook in the MRI. So it was basically has moved out of the RA situation. And there was so much damage done to the knee that they were talking about a possible knee replacement again. Yeah. So basically what I realized is that diet is so key at the yeah. end of the journey. And so now we're, we're moving into 2000. This is the end of, this is July to the end of 2015. Um, and we're, you know, uh, kind of moving around that and I I start coming back and forth to LA every few months to go see my doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I'm able to kind of walk because she had given me, you know, every, every few months now I'm getting cortisone injections and I'm like feeling this relief and worried about, you know, what could, what could I do with my knee? Right now CrossFit opens up at in Mexico and it was like a new thing. CrossFit opens up. It was the only gym in town. And I'm like, okay, the one thing that I know for sure besides diet is strengthening the muscles around the joints and getting weight off. Right. So I started and and this is now my road to recovery. If we're in the hero's journey, (laughs) so bad, I go back to Mexico. I start eating really healthy as clean as possible. Um, and I start doing CrossFit. Are you still vegan at the time? No, at this point, I had I was only vegan until 2014. Okay. So basically, at the end of this journey, where we're at now, from then to now, is that ironically, the thing that people say is so bad for my joints ends up being the best thing for my joints, which is CrossFit. Yeah. And I've been doing CrossFit now consistently since 2015, and I've consistently been eating a really clean diet. So it's evolved because I moved back to LA in 2016 where now everything is organic right? and everything is easy to obtain. And, um, basically I have been eating really clean. Um, only ba- um, grass fed meat, uh, organic produce mm-hmm. and that's it. Um, granted, you know, I will go to like a really nice restaurant here mm-hmm. and eat, but that's like very little. Mm-hmm. balance. Um, yes. But long story short, I also start adding in um, adaptogens, like adaptogens, adaptogenic mushrooms, maca, a ton of herbs that I felt like my body was going to need. 
Um, to the point that now, I mean, I think I got tested two weeks ago and my inflammation level was 30, yeah. which is basically normal. I think it was just slightly elevated. Um, and uh, I have no inflammation in my joints and my rheumatoid factor is negative. So it's really wild, you know, with the incorporation of clean eating, yeah. with the added exercise, with mm -hmm. even mindset of you know, every time I get into a narrative of like, I'm sick again. Nope, you're not. This is like every time I'm, I'm in a flare and yeah. my body starts to be in pain, I'm like, not today. Yeah. <laughs> not happening today. Like get your ass out of bed and go walk your dog. Like you have to just keep moving and it yeah. just keeps your body going. And then the addition with CBD has mm. been huge for me and, and breathing, you know, mm -hmm. doing deep breathing and breath work and yoga. And ever since I've incorporated those things, you know, the medication hasn't essentially changed. Mm -hmm. I've gone down on methotrexate. I'm still on Enbrel. Um, I'm coming off of prednisone for the first time in 13 years, mm -hmm. um, like fully off of it. Because the last time I tried to get off it, it didn't work. And we went right back up. Yeah. Um, so it's been like this wild ride of like this, you know, my whole adult life I was sick. Yeah. And so now it's like, whoa, like I'm not really sick anymore. Like what's yeah. that like? And it's kind of this battle, you know? Yeah. It's like getting out of that thought process. So yeah, I don't know. That's my journey. I'm still having the journey, of course. But yeah, um, yeah I don't know. That's present day. Present day update. Woo! Take a deep breath, everybody. I know. <laughs> that's amazing. So, I mean, I was hearing like checkpoints along the way and I know with, you know, a lot of the conversations we've had and the coaching that you do with women, it's a lot of like mindset and also like seeing the gift and yeah. extracting the lessons from challenges. And I was just like hearing that along the way, like yeah. you built like, even from a young age, like you love to work and just be active and like doing it and like goal setting. A lot of people might've said like, I can't walk these stairs. This sucks so bad. I'm going to quit. Some people might not have even gone to college at all. And you're like, yeah. not today. I am going to do what I want to do. You know what? I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to be walking these stairs, you know, one year from now or by the end of the year. So you were already like developing this like mental strength and resilience. And it feels like then, you know, as greater challenges came, you just had that much more capacity to be with it and to transcend it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Thank you so much for that reflection because I have this theory that, that autoimmune disease actually changed like saved my life yeah because you know it's interesting one thing I will say on here that I haven't actually publicly said is that um I actually got an ANA panel re very recently mm -hmm. as an antibody panel and um RA is now negative and lupus is now positive mm. here's the thing that doesn't necessarily mean I'm sick Mm -hmm. because my CRP is low. My, my inflammation is actually, the CRP is, is, is um, almost lower than normal. Mm -hmm. And the SED rate is only the, the slightly higher thing. So when you're looking, you know, people listening, if you're ever getting a, a, a test, your CRP is more important than the mm -hmm. SED rate because you could have a cold, you could have the flu, yes. that'll make your SED rate go up. But your CRP is the inflammation in the body mm -hmm. for the disease. So what's interesting is that I found out I had potentially have lupus. Mm -hmm. And I had gone through this same spiral mm -hmm. of 
whoa, what if everything I did isn't real? Like, what if, what if that's gone and now it's another thing? Mm-hmm. And I had a cry the day that I got the news and I was like, went through the sick thing again. Yep. And then I realized I've probably had lupus the whole time. <laughs> and because what happens is when you have JRA, yep. when you're a kid and you get diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and the, specifically the joints that were affected, they've never affected my hips, mm-hmm. although I, at the very beginning, they've only affected as from 2007 until now, they've only affected my knees, my shoulders, and my right elbow. Mm-hmm. That's it. Which actually is, you can get arthritis stemming from lupus mm-hmm. if you have those joints. Yes. And so it was, it was this, it was this thing where I was like, what is this flare going to be like? And oh my God, I have this other thing. And just when I thought I was getting better. And then I realized, first of all, you've always had lupus. There's no doubt in my mind. And second of all, you've already dealt with this for 13 years. It's the same thing. It just presented itself a different way. And so it was really interesting to see that because you know, you go through these negative feedback loops, mm-hmm. right? Especially because when you get diagnosed with a disease and, or a condition or whatever you want to call it for people listening, it is a form of trauma, especially yeah. something that changes your life in such a way, right? Yes. But what I realized and, and how I kind of pulled myself out of this spiral, not only realizing that I had been dealing with the same thing for so long, it was just misdiagnosis. Yeah. Um, but it was this idea where Number one, if I could get through that, I could get through anything. Mm -hmm. And number two, nothing will get as bad as it's ever been. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, it's never going to get that bad as it was when you were 17 because it's never been that bad, right? Also, the 2015 when I couldn't walk, like if I was being honest with myself, I was eating a lot of gluten. I was eating a lot of tacos. I was eating a lot of hormones, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just, I know better. I'm not going to just like go to, you know, Taiwan tomorrow and eat dumplings for right. a year um, and, and start to kind of bring those things back. And so it's interesting because I say that it saved my life because it's had me commit to living in a healthy way. I mean, you come to my house there. I'm mm-hmm. drinking out of an aluminum can right now. That is the worst thing that I do. Yeah. Everything else has is toxin free. I don't own plastic in my house. Yep. EPA shower stuff, no sulfates. I mean, I deep cleaned everything. And my cleaning person comes every two weeks to make sure that there's like not even like dust around or anything to create inflammation yep. for me or reactions. And you know, I remind myself every day why I do this. It's not because I don't want to clean my house. It's because that helps me stay healthy. Yes. And so it's like Without the diagnosis, diagnoses, it's, it's, I wouldn't be so committed into mm-hmm. living the lifestyle that I do. I wouldn't be so positive. I mean, when you wake up one day and your life has changed out of your control, mm-hmm. I will say that I've, it, it saved my life in the way that I look at life so lightheartedly. Mm. I move on from things extremely quickly. I don't like to dwell on things. I'm like, okay, plan of action. Yep. Like solution, active solution, you know, like yep. healthy communication because I can't afford to be stressed. Right. And I know yep. that's about me. So I had to like adapt and learn these ways of living. That's changed the whole trajectory of my life. And yep. I can't express enough gratitude to this journey 
because, you know, I've seen a lot of people in my life have the things that I've had, Mm -hmm. you know, condition wise, and I've seen them not get out of it because they're not willing to make lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. And I would say that it, it creates such an adaptability, you know, like when I travel now, I know what I need. Yep. And I bring the things that I need, you know, as far as like products or snacks, it doesn't matter. But right. I, it's like you prepare for things now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and just, and, and then you, like I said, you have that mindset of like, it's never going to be as bad as it's been. Yes. Ever. And hello, like she said yes to like an advanced course in life school <laughs> and like handled the obstacles like a champ and also like gathered all the resources and tools that you now use and share with people when you coach people right. and when you speak and how you help people like create getting stuck out of their own stories and mindsets and living this like amazing life that's available to all of us if we're willing to accept it. Yeah, you know? exactly. I, I hope people heard this. I want to say it again, that you look at these conditions or diagnoses as gifts that you're grateful for. That's very different, you know? And I also think like I heard such growth from like when you were diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, it sounded like getting that diagnosis was a huge like breath of relief because now there was something you could do about it and go into that like action oriented solution mode. And by the time the second diagnosis rolled around, you had created so much space from it that you didn't need to like identify with it again. You're like, no, this isn't like... I'm not somewhat, I don't know, I just hear a lot with autoimmune conditions and and diagnoses in general, how it can become such a huge part of our identity. And some people triumph through that. They create like programs to help other people through it. But for some people, it just becomes this huge weight that they feel like they have to bear through the whole of their life. And for you, it sounds like it's a part of your experience, but it's very little. Yeah. You know what it is? I just got the chills. Um, (laughs) The, we, have, we have this theory where um, I have the disease, the disease doesn't have me. Mm-hmm. And um, that's like something that comes up a lot in like when you, when you get some type of diagnosis. Now, mm-hmm. for me, my story, mm-hmm. if you would have talked to me five years ago, mm-hmm. was my arthritis, I am sick. Yes. I let the disease take the wheel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't do this. I have RA. I can't do this. I have RA. I need my mm-hmm. own room. I have RA. I need a handicapped cigarette. I have RA. And it was like all of this stuff around, around being sick and playing into this narrative of being sick. But what I realized is I was so unhappy. Mm-hmm. It was my crutch. I was not very pleasant to be around. I was always in pain. I was in and out of the hospital, you know, um, cause there's obviously gaps in the story, mm-hmm. of the story, but, um, you know, it, there's, it's not very fun. And at at some point when, you know, the China study really changed my, the trajectory of my life when I realized that there was this other way of living. And at that point, also my fear of anesthesia, (laughs) um, I was like, this isn't going to happen for me. Mm -hmm. There is, I'm going to take control of this story Yes. Before I was even spiritual, before I had read books, before right. I read the four agreement, you know? Yeah. And it was like, cool, I'm going to take the wheel back. I'm going to take my power back because the unhappiness and the depression and all those things that I had experienced leading up to this was so unpleasant mm-hmm. and so scary mm-hmm. that it's like, we feel so helpless 
mm-hmm. in the situations. And then we realize how much control we actually have. Yeah. And that's where you just tip of the iceberg, take your power back. And to be honest, this is why I will never come out with a program that has to do with this. Yes. Because it's not part of me. Mm-hmm. It's just a thing that happened. And that is like this nagging thing sometimes that comes up. Mm-hmm. I don't not speak about it on the internet because I'm afraid of it or it's personal. It's just because it's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be a part of my identity. You know, there's so many people that are like, you have a, such a big platform and you can speak out about it. And yeah, I can and I will on my own terms. Right. But just because I have a platform does not mean I need to make that my brand. Yes. And you know, that's kind of how it's been allowed to be also something that I've dealt with and not something for the, the public, so to speak. Because once you make it that, then you have to talk about it every day. And mm-hmm. I've talked about it for 14 years of my life. Right. So. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, your platform and your brand, it still shines through. Like it doesn't shine a light on your journey any less. Yeah. Because you're still sharing everything you extracted through the process. Right. So it doesn't have to be about the thing, at least like, at least in my own experience, a lot of times it's not about the thing, the label, the whatever it is that we go through. It's what we extract through it. It's who we become through that and how we alchemize and transform through those things. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's exactly it. That's that's, so good. Yes. Yeah. And also if you're listening, you don't have to wait for things to get really bad to take charge to take radical self-care like you're doing, like asking for what you need, knowing yourself, trusting your intuition. These are all things that you can start practicing right now. And a lot of it starts with exactly what you said, Anna, is this is not going to take, this is not the road I want to go down. I can, right. I can take control of this. I can start seeing a different way. And if that feels like, if it feels like there's a lot of resistance to that, just say, I am willing to mm. see it Just start with willingness. Yeah. See it differently and wait for the miracles to drop in people. <laughs> yeah, seriously, because, you know, it doesn't have to be such a, such a whole big change or push. It's just mm-hmm. the baby steps and planting the seeds because, you know, I've seen my brother has fibromyalgia mm-hmm. and my sister also has RA. She got diagnosed when she was my age, when mm-hmm. I was diagnosed, when she was 16, she's younger than me. And she straight up was like, no, this isn't happening and continued to play sports. And to this day has never had to take one arthritis medication. And she's a doctor now. And my brother, my brother who, who lives with fibro has completely put it at bay through diet and CBD and also being like, well, I'm not going to not surf because my skin feels like it's on fire. So what am I going to do today to get myself in the water? And so it's like, you know, those are small examples of my own family. But what I can say is this, whatever condition you have, there's always a way and there's always an opportunity and an invitation Mm -hmm. to take your power back. Mm -hmm. Yes. And also to commit to the things that matter to you. Like, here's this amazing life. Like if you have a vision of being a doctor or you love to surf, like how bad do you want it? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, it's so good. I love that. Yeah. We got to step two feet in. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that and things that 
you haven't shared before. Just thank you so much for opening up. And I'm sure our listeners are like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're so welcome. Um, it feels good. It's, it's good to, to share the story. And if I could help one person, um, you know, start to look for alternatives, like yeah. granted, I love Western medication. Don't yes. take them. I still take them to this day, but there's so much more that you could be doing. There's yes. so much more. And there's so much available to you. So true. And I love that you said that because it doesn't have to be either or. Right. There are ways they can be complementary. And you do that. You use Western medicine still and have doctors, but also participate in like Eastern and alternative medicines. And you've really worked to like become your own health advocate, you know? Yeah. Got curious from the days when you like print out all the articles and like just read and try different things. You weren't afraid to experiment. I think that yeah. can be, you know, really important. And things have just like accelerated exponentially in the nutrition world. So there's a lot more available to us now, you know, readily information yeah. and protocols and, um, yeah, just right there at the tip of our fingers or the click of a button. So yeah, like I would say, I would say, don't be afraid to ask questions yeah. at the doctor because I will say the doctors know things. Of course, they went to medical school, but there's also some things. I mean, they only realistically have 15 minute slots, right? So they're yeah. seeing so many people a day that they're not thinking of every opportunity and they're not um, always correct. Mm -hmm. So being a health advocate is super important for you to be one for yourself. Like, I mean, I was at the gynecologist and they were trying to put me on some medication and I, I mean, it took one Google on searching interactions and I saw that it was interacting with diclofenac, which I'm, mm. and I said to myself, that's interesting. And I emailed them in because you can email on, on the portal. And I said, um, this directly interacts with the medication I'm on. Have you looked at my chart? Mm -hmm. And then they were like, Oh, don't take it. But if I didn't, be a health advocate for myself. I could have gone to CVS because obviously they're not going to allow you to take something that you're already on. Right. But I could have gotten there and they'd be like, you can't take this. I don't know why that you're prescribed this, you know, and I could have ignored them because you're still allowed to fill it if you want. And then I could have taken it and it could have been a really big problem. Right. So, you know, asking questions, doing your own due diligence is mm -hmm. really important because it's not that the doctor is intentionally doing something to you. They're just, they're busy and there's not enough time. Yeah. I mean, human error for any of us, it's like a, a really great practice in compassion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really do believe everyone's trying to do the best that they can. And in, especially in like the health services world, they really do want to make a difference in people's lives for the better. Yeah. But you're right. We can't go on autopilot at all. And yeah. it can't really just be this like blind following of advice yeah. anymore. We really have to pay attention and trust our gut and get curious and ask questions and sometimes be a pain in the butt, you know? <laughs> like, Oh, I go with a list of questions. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. My doctor last two weeks ago was like, I think we should do this like $800 panel, but if it, but if, if your insurance won't cover it, it's only going to charge you 80 bucks. And I said, do you think I have this thing? And he said, no. And I said, then I don't think we're going to do that. Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's also a business and you need to ask questions. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ask questions. And also like, we really can't be so disconnected from our bodies. Like there are vessels, there are homes while we're here. You really have to be an active participant in taking care of it. Yeah, exactly. And it's so important because, you know, um, somebody, somebody said this thing to me, a friend of mine, he, or he shared this thing to me rather. Um, and it, it, it said, uh, 
if you lose your job, you can always get a new job. If you lose your money, you can always build again. Mm -hmm. If you lose your life, you're dead. Yeah. So you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. But it's the truth. You know, it's funny. I read that when he shared it to me, this, my friend wrote it to me in a message because we were like doing this January motivating thing. And I was like, yo, I need to like be in the gym more. Like that, mm. you know, made me, if anything, kick my health on overdrive just because of how bluntly honest and true it is. And, you know, if we can't take care of our lives and our bodies, like what else do we have? We've got nothing. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a really good, like, hit pause and reflect like, wow, yeah, I've been like going after this like promotion or whatever it might be that we're, we can get so externally focused on. And we really do have to like maintain all of this first. This is what makes all of that possible. Yeah. And not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually or universally or however you want to connect with that, but that level, but it's all of it. It's holistic. So for you physically, it's, you know, eating really clean, eating, you know, paying attention to where your food comes from, how it's grown and paying attention to what feels good in your body because it changes from time to time. Yeah. And I know Anna and she's like a great example of this of like <laughs> so good at being like on it with eating well for your body. But also like if you want to have a glass of wine with your friends, sometimes you allow that. And if you want to try a new experience, you allow that. So you really don't let the fear, you know, of what happened in the past determine the amount of pleasure that you can enjoy in the present moment now. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I am like right now in, in a text, my friends and I are trying to figure out where we're going to dinner on Thursday mm -hmm. and like, it's going to be somewhere really good and I'm probably going to eat gluten for it. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, yes, I'll feel a certain way on Saturday, on Friday, but I'm not going to not have experiences because of one day or because of, of, of some you know, issue because then you're allowing it to control yourself. Yeah. And yep. so it's like, it's a very fine line, but, but you're right. You know, um, we can't do not do things because of fear of what will happen, mm -hmm. you know, because w the fear of what will happen and this is every part of your life, it may never happen. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, when those, those, those feelings come in, you just be a witness and let it go, you know? Yeah. Kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. So that's kind of what's going down physically is food like that. And also making sure that you're moving your body regularly in a way that strengthens it and makes it feel really good and resilient. How about like mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, what are your like go-to resources to stay really well within yourself? Um, I would say I, you know, I pride myself in, I keep really good people around me. Mm -hmm. Like, like I have an, and you're one of them, but like, I have a really good group of girlfriends. Mm. Like my girlfriends are everything. And so, you know, um, it's really true about the people that you surround yourself with. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's nobody in my friend group that I leave and don't feel good around. Mm. And, and in the event that happens, I try to check in and have a conversation about it. So, yeah. um, you know, the energy around me is super important. Like yes. I'm very, very, very picky and I, I keep a very close, close, small circle of 
really good friends. And granted, you know, there's a bigger group of acquaintances and friends. Yeah. But the people that I'm spending my day-to-day energy on are, you know, very, very, very dear to me. And so, you know, we're both, we're all supportive of each other, which is really, really, really lovely to have. So I would say that and, and um, just a really good support system in general, whether it's your family. I mean, I talk to my mom almost every day. Um, and uh, so that's really important. Um, as far as like mindset, or for mental, it's mostly about not allowing my thoughts to take over and mm-hmm. being really um, like witnessing those things mm-hmm. really intently. Um, and then beyond that, um, you know, if I can make a yoga class, it's great. Um, I mean, in a day where I'm like breath work is, is so important. And in a day like today where I'm with like 10 clients, um, I'm doing breath work with them. So that also really helps. And like Monday through Friday, I'm like doing breath work all day. Yes. Uh, so, you know, that, that also definitely makes a difference. And, and when I lead my clients through a meditation in a session, I will close my eyes and do the, the breathing part with them and really ground in. And um, so I would say like that really helps. And then also like on another level, it's also about the information you consume and the things that you watch. And that's all in energy as well. Like straight up, I don't watch the news. I don't mm-hmm. read it ever. Um, the only time I remotely come across something is if it's a big thing and it's all over everywhere. And then I'll like search for um, right. this article, but um, I never know what's going on in the world. And yeah. I like it that way because yeah. then I'm not stressing about things that, that, aren't super important to me. Granted, social justice is very important to me and I'm very um, well-versed in those things and I do stay on top of those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like the big picture right. situation, um, things that we can't really control or our voices, um, you know, we need a lot more voices. Yeah. Uh, those things I try to try to just be blindly, uh, blissfully uninformed. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> blissfully uninformed. It reminds me of... Uh, Jomo, joy of missing out. That's oh. one thing I've got Jomo about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you, girlfriend. Like, um, my mom is not happy with, about it. She wants me to read the news more. But I I'm know. Like, Why don't you just give me the summary? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody just give me the summary. <laughs> Tell me what's going on today in the White House. Um, because you know what it is. I spent the whole election, mm. like, like tied to my phone and glued to the news and refreshing, yeah. and things like that, and. Um, I ended up popping a blood vessel in oh, my no. eye because I was like too close to my phone for a week <laughs> and crying. And I think at that moment, the universe was like, this doesn't serve you. So like, stop. Yeah. And so uh, I started to just be really aware of that and like books I read and things like that. And not saying everything has to be joyful, right. but you know, it's all energy that you're consuming and does it make you feel good. Is it a good book or is it boring? And like, if it's right. like, put it down and keep moving, like you don't have to finish everything you do. Yeah, it, this is not a message in being perfect. Yeah, and no. you can absolutely have joy and pleasure in your life. So if you get like joy out of watching a silly like TV show or whatever it is on Netflix, that's fine. But just pay attention to like the energy signature of it and the like the resonance that it leaves afterward. And if you're continually feeling like heavy or terrified or whatever it is, like we went to see the movie Us, which was awesome. But I can't watch things like that very often right. because I find myself like looking behind my shoulder and like slamming doors and turning all the lights on, <laughs> things like that. So yeah. I don't watch a lot of those types of things. Yeah, but it is. It's like, you know, it's being, being aware of that. And then also, um, 
you know, I, I try to keep my stress level down and um, I have to keep anxiety in, in check for sure. Yeah. So those things help a lot. So what sorts of like boundaries and things like that have you had to set like in work and what were your favorite like resources to de-stress besides like maybe catching a yoga class? What breath work is your favorite? Are there any like apps that you would recommend or books or websites? Um, yeah. So I like the Calm app. Mm-hmm. It's really cool because you could pick whatever meditation you like. Um, I really like that. Um, I also, my boundaries are, um, I don't give a lot of people access to me anymore. Yeah. I'm very particular about who has a certain level of access to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I used to be a people pleaser and that just, you wear yourself really thin. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm very particular about, about who has access, how much access you have. Um, realizing how like nothing is urgent yes. and nothing has to be answered right away. So that's been like a super game changer for me as far as like boundaries are concerned. I mean, right now I'm sitting on 40 text messages for the day that I have to get to and I may not get to all of them and some may yep. sit for two weeks and that's just what it is. And it's mostly because um, I'm really busy. And yeah. when work is so big, you have to prioritize things. And I kind of have stepped into this place of unapologetically prioritizing, prioritizing the things that I need first and not in a selfish way, because I'm definitely there for my friends and the people that need me when they need me. But remembering that like, I can't pour from an empty cup. I need to make sure that my cup is full. I need to make sure that things that I need to get done is done for the day. And then I can be of service. But until that is done, like it's selfish of me actually to like, go help other people when like people are going to go handle their stuff before they help me out, you know? Right. And, um, so that's been a pretty big game changer and boundary for me. Um, and as far as, um, books, I love anything by, um, Brene Brown, Mm -hmm. Gabby Bernstein. Um, that's kind of like personal development stuff. But then the other side is like, I read a lot of business books. So, um, you know, those aren't as fun to talk about, but, uh, but if you're looking for like a spiritual book, like I love everything that Gabby Bernstein does for sure. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. That she's is so awesome great. y'all. And she has yeah. an app and all kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. we'll she's link her in the bio stuff. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And yeah. where can people learn more about you and your yeah. offerings? So, um, they can go to anarose.com, A-N-N-A-H-R-O-S-E.com. Um, or you can find me on Instagram at L-O-V-E, Anna, A-N-N-A-H-R-O-S-E. So love Anna Rose. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been really fun. And, um, you know, I would say anybody that's, that are going through the things that I've gone through, like DM me and, and I'm definitely here to talk for sure. Awesome, y'all. Take her up on that. She's an awesome resource and she's just beautiful. It's beautiful to be in her energy. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, everyone. So that's the end of this episode. I hope that you enjoyed all the information and the conversations and reflections that we shared as much as I have. And if you'd like to connect with me and learn a little bit more about my own journey and the offerings that I share, please visit jdingleswellness.com. And you can also connect with me on Instagram. And if you feel moved to and this show was really aligned for you, please go ahead and rate it on iTunes. I would greatly appreciate that. And I look forward to connecting with you again. Bye for now.